Hey, this is Jerry Galloway. I'm the pastor of LHA Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this encourages your heart, strengthens your faith, and gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. God is good. Amen. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Praise God. It's just great to see everybody this morning. Um, welcome to fall. Come on now. Welcome to fall. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people excited about fall, and it's just been awesome. Three days straight of rain. It's just been incredible. But uh, uh, but but what to say? Welcome this morning. So glad that you guys are here, and uh, we have a, a great privilege this morning to hear an awesome man of God and Zach and Lauren Gitcom are here with us today. They're actually part of our church, um, but you never see them. They never come to church, and um, but. The reason why is because they're out every Sunday bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to churches all over Indiana. And I'm not sure if outside of Indiana or not, but but all over Indiana, uh, they are out uh, bringing the word of God as evangelists. Uh, but we're, so the only time we can get them home is to schedule them to preach. So, uh, but we are so glad that they are here with us. And uh, Zach, won't you come on up here and won't you give Zach a hand this morning. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I see a Steelers jersey over here. It's football day in America. I uh, will preach short, but I cannot guarantee you altar will be short. It's so nice to be home. We love this church. We love all of you. We love our pastors. They're incredible people, and they have a heart a heart for church, and a heart for you. You know, we, we first came here, we had some issues in ourselves. We had been hurt. And just being here, God's moved so mightily in our lives. Pastor Jeremy, he's incredible. He needs prayer most times. <laughs> but he's incredible. The man has a heart, and he's faithful to do whatever he needs to do. Whenever he needs to do it, he's an awesome guy. We love this church. We love these people. I want to say thank you for allowing us to be a part of the church and for sending us out. Over the last six months, the last time we were here was mid-April. And so over the last six months, we've seen some God do some incredible things in people's lives. We've seen over 10-plus people, um, Lauren has the official count, uh, saved We've seen four filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen people feel, filled, healed, delivered, the whole, whole nine yards. It's been awesome. God's doing some great things. So I want to say thank you, first of all, for allowing us to be a part of your church, but also for sending us out. Today, I feel like God's given me a fresh word. I'm not an evangelist who will preach the same sermon I preached last time. I promise you that. That was my prayer when God called us out was, God, give me a fresh word everywhere I go. I don't want to preach the same thing over and over again. And God's fulfilled this promise because he's such a great God. You see, I woke up this week with the word on my heart of desperation. Desperation can be a lot of things. Have you ever been swimming and tried to have that competition with your sibling underwater to see who could hold your breath the longest? Desperation is when you're trying to beat him. And you really need to take that breath 
but you really want to beat him. That's desperation. Desperation is needing it so bad that you will do anything to get it. You will do anything to take care of it. I want to talk today for a few moments at, of desperation. According to dictionary.com, desperation means reckless or dangerous because of hopelessness. Excessive or extreme, giving all, started by a feeling of hopelessness. Desperation is the motivation we get when all else fails. When everything else in life has failed, desperation is what we have. But I've learned one thing. Man wrote the dictionary. God didn't. He probably gave them the brains to write it, but he didn't write it. Man's definition sometimes is a little on the off side compared to God's. Desperation that I'm talking about today is not coming from a feeling of hopelessness. Because when we're, when we're in Jesus, he's all the hope that we need. He's all the hope we need. He's the hope in us. So I'm not talking about desperation from hopelessness today. Today I'm talking about a desperation for more of him. A longing for who he is. Earnestly seeking him day and night. Giving all that you have just to spend a moment with him. A moment with the king of glory. An audience of one. That's the kind of desperation I'm talking about today. I knew a man whose wife would use an electronic scooter in the stores. So she was in bad enough shape that he actually went out and bought one. And he took this electronic scooter and he'd be looking at the bread aisle and he'd turn around to put the bread in the basket of the electronic scooter and she was gone. She had zipped off somewhere else down another aisle. He got tired of walking the aisle holding the bread and the milk trying to find her. So he did something out of desperation. He took a bright orange flag and taped it to the back of her cart so that everywhere in the store she went, no matter where she was, it stuck up above every aisle, above every shelf. He could find her. He was tired and desperate to find her. When Lauren and I were dating, I could not wait to spend time with her. We were four hours away from each other. And those four hours were the longest four hours on the road. I-69 took forever to get up here. It was awful. But that moment came when I got to spend time with her. And that was everything in that moment. I spent, I spared no expense. We went to the nicest restaurants and then my parents had to pay my phone bill. I spared no expense spending time with her. It obviously worked, but now I spare no expense and I still have to pay my own phone bill. You see, I'm talking about a desperation that you will do everything to spend time with him. Psalm 63, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation of this one. It says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. This is David. David was a man after God's own heart. The dude could play the harp. He could sing. I know I'm going to get to heaven one day and my voice is going to be immaculate. On the earth, not so much. David understood what it meant to seek God. 
My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. How many of you have ever felt God in the sanctuary? How many of you have ever seen his glory or felt his presence? We long for that as Christians. We should. We should long for that. Long for more of him. Because there's something that happens when we give our lives to Christ. Nothing else will satisfy your desire. Nothing else will satisfy your desire. He is the only thing that will. Your unfailing love, I love this verse, is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. David knew that God was all he needed. When everything else was going wrong in David's life, David was in the wilderness at this point. He knew that God was all that he needed, and he earnestly searched for him. He used his whole body to search for him. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. The love that Jesus has for you was so much better than anything you could ever dream, imagine, hope for, because my Bible says that his ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I can imagine, and I know what I imagine and what I dream things up sometimes. I can put myself in a wild, vivid imagination. But his ways are higher than my ways. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So what he gives me is better than life itself. It's better than anything I could have. When I was a child, we as a church would have what we called prayer meeting. How many of you have had a, ever had a prayer meeting before? We would spend one hour on Saturday nights coming into the church We'd have a little song and then like an acoustic set. And then we'd spend time praying. And during that time praying, I learned the importance of prayer. I learned what it means to earnestly seek God. To pray for other people. To learn how to pray for myself. During that time, we saw God begin to move in our church. Because we were willing to sacrifice time from ourselves to earnestly seek him. I want to challenge you today. On a Saturday night, take some time. Pray for your church. Come expecting God to do something. Don't take the first song and prepare your heart. Prepare your heart before you walk in the door. And when you walk in the door and that music starts and that drum note kicks off, you are ready to go. You're chomping at the bit ready to worship your king of kings. That is desperation. If you look back through time and you look back at time and you look at revival after revival, it all started with one person getting hungry and one person having a desire and a desperation to see God move, to change not only them, but the community around them. It's amazing 
what God does when we become desperate and we become hungry. David knew the presence of God. He knew the undeniable power and presence, yet he was not satisfied with anything else. He knew everything about God. He spent time with God in the fields. He spent time worshiping him. He knew God, yet he wanted more. Today as Christians, I believe that we stop at the know God. We may spend time through the week, but it's not our full desperation. It's not our full desire. I struggle with that sometimes. I get busy through the week. My week starts happening. Things start happening. Lauren and I are in the process of becoming foster parents right now. That is a big deal. They check your house up and down, top to bottom, side to side, in every nook and cranny. They open the cabinets. They see if you got chemicals there. I had to move all of my chemicals up to where a kid couldn't get to them. I, they, each kid has to have so many square footage. They have to have two exits out of a bedroom to make it a bedroom. It's a big deal. You can have no construction going on in your house. It's a big deal. My life has gotten busy lately. So God convicted me even before I began to write this sermon about my desperation for him. About my issue not spending that time with him that I need to. See, because that's where life has changed is in the secret place. I have learned that the desire you have gives birth to desperation. When you desire something long enough, you will eventually become desperate for it. How many of you have ever been on a diet before? Those things are awful. Because you diet and you diet and you cut things out of your life and then you drive by the donut shop. And they have the sign, free donut today. Or Krispy Kreme has that hot donut sign. That's God sent. <laughs> Except when you're on a diet. And then the devil turns it on. <laughs> but you think about that donut and you think about it. And eventually you'll become desperate for it. And you'll want that donut and you'll... That steering wheel will just pull itself into the donut line. You don't even have to turn it. When we get desperate for him, he begins to give us things and show us things. Psalm 63 talks about it. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. When we come desperate for him, he gives us more than we could ever dream of or imagine. As you can see, I am not a man of small stature. I love food. Thanksgiving is my favorite time of year. There is a feast at my Thanksgiving, and we have leftovers for days. Days. But he satisfies us more than the richest feast. Psalm 23 tells me he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
If you're going through something in your life and you become desperate for God, he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies and you can call them to the table and he will feed you in his presence in front of your enemies. And you can rejoice and say, this is my God. You are not big enough to handle it. He's our helper. John 16 says we have an advocate with the Father. You see, today we've got the Holy Spirit that is our guide and our help and our comfort. He's also our warning system when things are going wrong. He holds us securely by his strong right hand. The right hand is the hand of power. It's the hand that is dominant. So when he holds us with his right hand, he's not holding us out of his weakness. He's holding us out of his strength. We can hold fast to that truth that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. When I am small, when I have trouble, he's holding me with his right hand if I'm desperate for him. If I earnestly seek him with all that I have, he will hold me up with his strong right hand. We, this is Hebrews chapter 6, we who have run for our very lives to God, that sounds like desperation to me, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and to never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. It goes past everything you ever have need of takes you right directly into God's presence. We can hold on to him and he holds on to us. When I was dating my wife, I learned all about her, her likes, her dislikes. She does not like colored suckers. Because they turn her tongue different colors. It's true. Her favorite candy is a Hershey bar. And I know these are minute things. But they're things I learned when I was dating her. Because I learned when I got her candy not to get her a blue sucker. Or a green sucker. I learned to get her lots of chocolate. You see... We have to become so desperate for God that we learn who he is and his word becomes so alive to us. Psalm 91, I love this chapter in the Bible. It is probably one of my favorites. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see that last part 
Every my, every him, everything was capitalized. So it reads like this. Because David has set his love upon me, Jesus. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him upon me, capital M. Because he has known my name, capital M. Jesus and God is saying, because he knows me, because he placed his love upon me, I will do this for him. Because he dwells in the secret place, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't stay there. You walk through it. But I believe with all of my heart that it's not the shadow of death that you see. Because when you spend time with God and he opens his beautiful arms, it's the shadow of his wings that I'm hiding under when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not the shadow of death. It's the shadow of his wings surrounding me. I love it. God is so good. How many of you know the story of Samuel? How many of you know the beginning of the story of Samuel? There's this lady. And her name. Her name sounds like pasta. Her name is Panina. Panini. It's an odd one. Don't name your kids that. That's a bad idea. You don't want them to be made fun of their whole life. So this guy named Elkanah had two wives, Pasta Lady and Hannah. Pasta Lady had a bunch of kids. Hannah had none. So what happens is Hannah desires a child. She desires a child. And I'm going to start reading in 1 Samuel. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. That's talking about Hannah. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept wept and did not eat. How many of you have ever had a moment where you were so lost that you couldn't do anything else but just cry? I'm an emotional guy. I have no problem with emotions. I cry all the time. Now I'm not as bad as my wife who cries at those APCA dog commercials where the dog's like tromping through the weeds. The other day she cried at a golf commercial. I'm not that bad. But Hannah weeps. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? So Hannah arose after she finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. 
Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorstep of the tabernacle of the Lord. You see, when Hannah was having her moment, she didn't go to her friends and tell, her, tell them what was wrong. She didn't go to this person over here. She didn't go to her counselor. Now there's nothing wrong with counseling. Counseling is from God, I believe. But she didn't go there. She went to the house of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of my life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. She was desperate. She desired a child. She was hurt. She was desperate for God to provide for her. So desperate that it was in her heart. And she spoke out of her heart. Her lips moved, but no voice was coming out. That's desperation. That's needing something so much that it's just internally you're torn up. Today I believe that there are people in this room that lately you have been dealing with things. You've been dealing with things and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried to fix them. You've gone to every doctor. You've gone to every psychiatrist. You've gone to every issue, every thinker, every think tank, everything you can come up with to try and fix it. But you've neglected one thing. Yeah, you may be a Christian, and yeah, you serve God. You raise your hands on a Sunday morning, and you do whatever fits you into the crowd, but you're miserable. You've lacked your desperation. You've forgotten what it was like to need Him. There's a story in 1 Kings about a man who did something wrong, and when a new king comes into power, this guy says, uh-uh, you're not going to kill me here. And he runs and he holds on to the horns of the altar. And he grabs on for dear life. And he says, I'm not going to leave. You're going to have to kill me here. And the story goes that they do end up killing him there. But he was desperate enough that he went to the house of the Lord. And he held on to the horns of the altar. There's a story in Matthew about a man who's getting ready to give his life. And he's getting ready to give his life, but he spends time praying before God. And he says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. And he goes back to his trusted friends who were there with him. And what's he do? He finds him sleeping. And he says... 
Will you not watch and pray for one hour? Will you not watch with me and pray with me? He had the burden of the world on his shoulder. Yet his friends were sleeping. He had a desperation. He says the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. There's many times in our lives that we want more of God, but we fail to give in. We fail to push through. We want to, but we fail to. Today I'm talking about a desperation that will push through. That will push through all that you have, every sickness you have, because my God is a healer. If you'll push through the pain, if you'll push through the anger, if you'll push through the sadness, if you'll push through the frustration, I can guarantee you when you get a hold of the altar, things change. Lives change because He is here. And it has nothing to do with this altar. It has everything to do with what's inside of you. That desperation for more. That hunger for more. That I can't get enough. I've got to have more of Him. If you want to see your lives change, if you want to see your family change, if you want to see things change in your life, get a hold of God. Let God change you, and then you change your sphere of influence. Because you're so full of Him and so desperate for Him that you sneak away every moment you get. When you got a break at work, you're not out there taking a smoke break. You're out there taking a Bible break. You're spending time in God's Word, gleaning what He has from you. Because my Bible tells me that the Word of God is living and active. means it has breath and it's ready to erupt. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit what your emotions are from what God's really telling you. Joints of Marna judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. God's Word is like a mirror we look at, and it reflects back to us the things in our lives that don't line up. Hannah was desperate she desired a baby. She desired a child. She became desperate for a child. Hannah gives birth to a child named Samuel. Samuel is pure of heart. He's a man after God. He listens to God. He speaks the voice of God. And he becomes the man in that place that if you needed something, if you needed something from the man of God, that's who you went to because he touched heaven. Samuel listens to God when the people rebel and they want a king. You see, a king is not a prophet. There's only one who is that, and that's Jesus. A prophet speaks the word of God to the people from God. A king rules. They're different. They wanted a king. So God said, they're not rebelling against you. They're rebelling against me. Give him a king. Give him this king. So he puts King Saul in place. King Saul did all right, except when he tried to do his own thing. 
And God said, you're done. And Samuel goes to this guy's house named Jesse. Jesse's got these boys. How many moms in here have boys? My mother would tell you that she had two of us and that was enough. Jesse had boys and I'm sure these boys were rough and tough. One of them was tall. One of them was built. I mean, these guys had everything going for them. They weren't nearly as good looking as I am, but the Bible says they were good looking. So what happens is Samuel goes to these kids and he says, nah, nah. God, are you sure? Nah, nah. He goes through all of them. And Samuel's like, God, did I hear from you okay? Now this is the Zach version. This is by no means the literal version. Did I hear from you? He says, Jesse, don't you have another son? Oh, yeah, David. He's tending sheep. Don't worry about it. He's no king. He doesn't have anything king-like in him. You see, what man saw as qualities for a king... God said, that's not what I desire. God knew that what was needed was a man who would be after his own heart, who would be desperate enough in the desert to say, I earnestly seek thee. I earnestly seek thee. Your love, your unfailing love is better than life itself. That's the kind of king that God was desiring. You see, where others saw a shepherd, God saw a king. So David gets anointed king. My Bible tells me that Jesus was in the lineage of who? David. Desire gives birth to desperation. And desperation gives birth to deliverance. Hannah, it all started with Hannah. It all started with her desire and her desperation to have a child. You see, your child may be the one who anoints the king. Your child may be the one who anoints the king who then brings in a new revival. You see, that's the way it was. Hannah birthed Samuel, who anointed David, who Jesus is in the lineage of David, and he came to deliver the world. Deliver me from my sin. Set my feet on a solid rock. You see, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I know that my God is here. He's the one who saves. He's the one who heals. He's the one who delivers. He's the one who changes. You see, he changed the water into wine. You see, what you see is something that will not satisfy. He will give you something that will satisfy you. He opened the eyes of the blind. He made the lame walk. He healed the dead because he is resurrection and life. 
everywhere he walked, he walked with authority and understanding that he was fully man and fully God. He had the same temptations that you and I have. The exact same dealings that you and I have, the emotions in our head we can't get out of. He was a man, I'm sure he had a cold sometimes. And if he was like most men, according to my wife, that cold would knock him out completely and he would cry like a baby and wouldn't be able to get up off the couch because he sneezed. He was a man, but he understood what kind of man he was. He was a man that came with a purpose and a plan to deliver the world, but it all started out of desire and desperation. If you want to see your world change, it starts with desire. It starts with desperation. It starts with getting so hungry that you can't stand to do anything but be with Him. Spend time with Him. So today, my whole point comes down to this moment right here. Are you desperate? Are you desiring Him? Your whole world will change if you desire and become desperate for Him. Because what will happen is He will show up so strong in your life that you want nothing but him. Because he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. My altar call is this What do you need to? What do you need? What do you need from him today? Do you need healing? If you're in this room today and you just need a touch from him, now's your moment. If you're in this room today and you're tired like was going on in worship, Colton, you were exactly right. All about rest. If you need to rest in him today, believe me, his wings are open and you can rest under the shadow of the Almighty. If you're in this room today and you have struggled this week with life, life has come at you and it has thrown lemon after lemon after lemon at you. And you don't have the power to make the lemonade. You just got a bunch of lemons laying around. Let God make the lemonade. Because what Satan meant to destroy you, God's going to turn around and make something sweet out of it. He's that kind of God. He knows you. He sees you. He's walked with you. He's walked beside you. He has walked everywhere you've walked. He's seen everything you've done. He's been everywhere you are at every doctor's appointment. 
at every psychiatrist appointment, at every moment that you thought no one else was there, he was there. He's there for you when you're alone in bed at night crying your eyes out. He's right there. He's there for you when life's at its roughest. When you feel like you can't go on anymore. When you've struggled through life just to go to work and put a smile on your face. He's there for you. He wants nothing more than to wrap his arms around you and hold you tight in his grip. Because where he is, there is love. You may have failed before. You may have failed time and time again. You may be in a place that you can't find the strength to move on. If you will step out of your chair today and come to this altar, not this altar, but this altar inside you, you will bring yourself to him. He will wrap his arms around you and he will hold you tighter than you could ever imagine. And he will give you joy. He will restore to you the joy of your salvation. Lauren's going to begin to sing. And as she begins to sing, today, if you need prayer, I will pray for you. But the point of my altar is this. It's time to get desperate again. So my challenge is this. Come to the altar. Don't do a little dabble, do you? Because that's not desperation. That's doing it to check it off. Do it out of desperation. And watch God begin to move. If you need prayer, you come to me and let me pray for you. Because God is here. My Bible says where two or three are gathered, He's in their midst. And there's more than two or three of us here. God is here right now wanting to move for you. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you're in this room today under the sound of my voice and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you were to die to you or walk out of those doors, walk out of the other double doors, get in your car, start your car, go down the road, turn onto the highway and somebody T-boned you and you were killed, would you go to heaven or hell? Do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? If you're in this room today and under the sound of my voice and you do not know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus and you would like to know Him today, will you just slip up your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed? If you're in this room today and you've known Jesus before, but you've walked away. You've stepped away and you've done your own thing. And you want to come back to Him. You want to rededicate your life to Him. If that's you, will you just slip up your hand? Thank you, I see your hands.
If you're in this room today and you need a healing touch from him, today's your moment. If you're in this room today and you need just a hug from my daddy, today's your moment. Lauren's going to begin to sing. And as she does, these altars are open. I challenge you, push through, become desperate, and let God move in your life. Monday is my anniversary with my wife. This weekend, we spent time away from everything as a little getaway anniversary trip. I believe in my heart of hearts that there's somebody in this room today that you're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling with finances in your marriage. You're struggling with things in your marriage that you need God's help with. Whether it be infidelity, whether it be an addiction to something, whether it be a financial need, you're struggling somewhere in your marriage today. Out of understanding and out of my heart, I'm not going to have you come up here. But I want you to know that if the two of you will get desperate for God together, God will begin to provide. God will begin to move and he will begin to show you ways to help each other and to hold each other up. Also today, I believe with all of my heart that somebody in this room, you are struggling because you feel like you failed God. You failed him because you messed up. You, you can't. How can God love somebody like me? I've messed up way too much. You do not hold God up. Your strength does not hold him up. He holds you. In fact, he holds you so much that he knows the number of hairs on your head. You're etched in the palm of his hand. He knows you're inside and out. He formed you in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not junk. Your emotions, though they may sometimes get the best of you, you are not tethered to your emotions. Your emotions do not control you. You control your emotions. You control when you get angry. You see somebody in this room, you're really struggling with anger right now. Anger at a situation, anger at a person, anger in your life that you really need to let God deal with. Because it's okay to be angry, but in your anger you've sinned. You've held bitterness in your heart. You've held frustration in your heart. It's time to get the dummy off your back. It's time to get that offense out of here. 
Because offended a people offend people. Because you try to shut everything off because you don't want to get hurt. You do it in the sake of, I'm protecting me. But holding something against somebody is like drinking poison and hoping they will die. So today, it's time to give it up. It's time to give up the anger and the bitterness and let God really begin to move. Isn't God good? Somebody said earlier, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. See, I changed that a little bit. You see, I say, God is good. You say, and I say all the time, and you say, Satan stinks. We love you. We thank you for everything you're doing. We ask you to continue to pray for us. We just got booked to go into a church that they need a touch of God. It's a church that they need, they need Jesus. They know Jesus. They love Jesus. But they just need a fresh touch from him. So will you continue to pray for us as we go out? Pray for us, if you would. We uh, are going through a lot in our lives right now with fostering. And, and just continue to pray for us, if, if you would. And uh, you guys have been such a blessing to my wife and I. We love all of you. We pray for you. I watch the video announcements every single week just to keep updated. You have an incredible church. You have incredible pastors. You have an amazing sound system and engineers and incredible stage presence. It's awesome. God moves here not because of the stage and the lights and the chairs and the new carpet and the new drum cage. And he doesn't move because of those things. Those things are aesthetics. He moves because of your desperation and your hunger and your prayer. So I want to challenge you this week. Spend time with him. Spend time in his word. Ask him, God, let your word come alive in my life. Challenge yourself. Push yourself. And I guarantee you, if you do that, next week when you come to church, it won't take one song. You'll be ready to go the moment the note hits. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for all that you do. Continue being who God's called you to be. And remember, God is good all the time, and all the time, Satan stinks. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today, and please keep them in prayer as they go and present the gospel all over the state of Indiana. But we love you guys, and God bless you.